Hey everybody, before we get started, I want to take a second to talk about our marketing plans. We've worked with over 7,000 companies since 2012, including brands like HP, DGI, and over 4,000 crowdfunding campaigns from both Kickstarter and Indiegogo. You can use one of our marketing plans to increase the exposure of your product and generate more sales by introducing it to the GadgetFlow community. So if you want to find out more, please head over to GadgetFlow.com submit. And that's GadgetFlow.com submit to get your product on our platform today. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, world. This is the Gadget Flow Podcast, the show about everything related to products, entrepreneurship, marketing, and crowdfunding. This week is a very, very special episode. I got to sit down with Marita Anaditi from Indiegogo here in New York City. In this interview, we discuss crowdfunding in general, how to create a successful campaign, and what they see for the future of crowdfunding moving forward. They're both complete experts on the subject, and I know you will get a ton from this interview. So without further ado, here is my interview with Marita Anaditi from Indiegogo. Right, I am sitting down with Marita and Aditi from Indiegogo, and we are so excited to have them on the podcast this week. And maybe for our listeners who don't know who you are or what it is you do, could you both just briefly describe your roles at Indiegogo? Sure. My name is Marita. I am the manager of hardware in Indiegogo. I work with entrepreneurs who have some sort of consumer-facing product, for the most part, and help with their go-to-market strategy and um, kind of just figuring out how to really launch their product initially. So Aditi and I work in tandem, and she can kind of explain a little bit more what she does. Uh, yeah, so I'm a campaign strategist, and what that means is um, when Marita and I work together on campaigns, I just help with all of the strategy aspects. We work on getting their pitch correct. We work on making sure that their project is on track for launch, um, and then once they do launch, we kind of help manage it and manage expectations when they're doing that. Awesome. Well, I have a bunch of questions regarding crowdfunding and best practices and how how you guys do what you do at Indiegogo. But before we jump into that, I want to get to know both of you a little bit more. So maybe could you both give me a little bit of background? How did you get into crowdfunding? And ultimately, how did you end up working at Indiegogo? Such a fun question. Um, well, I'm just really passionate about working with entrepreneurs. I studied entrepreneurship in college. I grew up with a family of my mom and dad were both entrepreneurs, so it's always just kind of been around me, and I just am quite inspired by it. My last position, I managed a startup competition in San Francisco, and that was just a small portion of my position, but it was the thing I really enjoyed. So actually, at that competition, I met someone at Indiegogo, and they told me about this role and how I could be working with entrepreneurs and inventors full-time as really an educational resource and just kind of a, a helper to, to entrepreneurs, and it's what I really enjoy doing. So I kind of just slid into this role, and yeah. it's been really, really wonderful. That's really cool. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I've, I've kind of always worked in tech. Um, I don't really know how I ended up in it, to be honest. I think it was just living in San Francisco. Um, and when I started learning about crowdfunding, um, it was through more of like the artistic medium. A lot of the people I loved online had like Patreons and, and that was starting to be a thing. Um, and so I just wanted to figure out how I could get involved in that in any way, shape or form. And Indiegogo uh, was a really great um, alternative to something that was like a month to month subscription, uh, which I've felt like was really cool, but I love the idea of like a one-time windfall. Uh, and so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to help creators and inventors, I guess, make their thing happen. Got it. So when it comes to your day-to-day work at Indiegogo, what are some of the things or some of the highlights of what you both do here um, on a regular basis? I know you said you work with entrepreneurs or are you, are you taking phone calls? How does that work? Yeah, so Aditi and I kind of, our roles kind of touch our entrepreneurs at different stages. So for me, I'm the initial point of contact. Um, People on my team really kind of introduce entrepreneurs to Indiegogo for the first time. So I'm definitely in a very educational role where I explain, you know, what you need to do to be successful on the platform and what are some key differentiators between us and some competitors and really kind of the what Indiegogo can do as a life cycle partner for an entrepreneur. So my day-to-day is a lot of initial phone calls with entrepreneurs um, and doing some fun things like going to industry events and things like that. Um, But I'm always on the hunt for an interesting product and how I can really assist with that product's journey and in turn a company's mission. So when you're looking for interesting products, are there any websites or places that you go? Yeah, yeah. So I definitely go to a bunch of different events in the New York area. Um, the majority of my team is actually based in San Francisco, so they go to a, a ton of uh, events in the Bay Area. I really like a couple different hardware events in New York City. But then, to be honest, a lot of my research and my sort of findings are online. So I go on AngelList a lot. I think they're a fantastic resource. Um, and then I just read a lot of different blogs. So Gary's Guide's a great one in New York. Um, Charlie O'Donnell does a really fantastic blog uh, to talk about different various industry events happening in New York. So yeah, just a lot of reading. I think I'm, I'm very passionate of just kind of understanding the industry. So it's just a lot of research, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So I want to kind of get into crowdfunding in general now, and I'm picturing a person who's wanting to launch their first crowdfunding campaign. They're thinking about starting their first launch on Indiegogo. What are some of the biggest challenges you see on a you know pretty regular basis for people who are wanting to launch their first crowdfunding campaign? Um, yeah, so I think one of the biggest challenges is... Um, Crowdfunding has really changed a lot over the years. When it first started, I think people felt like they could throw something really cool up on the sites and and someone would come to it. Um, That whole, like, if you build it, they will come thing. Uh, It's really, really different these days. And you do still have, um, you know, success stories like that. But a lot of it is really, like, working on the, I guess, the glacier below the surface to, like, use another metaphor. But, um, and, like, building an audience before you come, doing all that grunt work to, like, actually test who your audience is, um, does your messaging resonate with them, all of that. I think that's, like, the most challenging part and realizing that there's 
there's a lot of work that goes into it even before these 60 days when you actually launch the campaign. Yeah. So to dig into that a little bit deeper, what are some of those parts, uh, maybe some of those parts of underneath the glacier that people are missing? What are those parts specifically? Um, yeah, I think having, I think this is like the biggest piece of information you can find on the internet and through all the blogs and podcasts like yours, um, which is like come with a list. Um, and that list should be really, really qualified. Um, and so that list you can, there's a lot of different ways you can build it. You can go to events, you can go to, um, you can actually just build it online by testing a landing page through, you know, various iterations, A-B testing. Um, but I think having, uh, an audience before you actually launch your campaign, um, that's already aware of what your product is, how it works, some like really cool features, and maybe even doing a little bit of price testing. Um, that is really, really important. Uh, the other thing is the messaging component. I think, um, a lot of people will come to the site and they'll have an idea of what they want to say, but they haven't really tested that messaging either. So one of my favorite things to do is actually to run user testing on the page um, and to have like uh, five, 10 different, you know, random users that we pick uh, and have them look at the page and go through it and work through the page and give their honest feedback about what's working for them, how they're actually processing this page. Um, and I think when a campaigner has done that work before they even show up, it's really obvious. Um, and it, it means that they're going to have like an easier time running their actual campaign. Right. Last question on this. What are some suggestions you'd have for people who want to grow their list? How can, how can they go about growing that email list to be ready for their campaign? What's a way to do that? Um, so there's a, really a, several different routes to go. Um, oftentimes, I, I think one of the first questions we ask our entrepreneurs is, first, what's your timeline look like? And what's your budget look like? So some entrepreneurs will just kind of 100% bootstrap it and run their own ads and put together their own real project plan. Others will work with a variety of different industry partners that we work with. Um, there's a variety of amazing agencies out there that can really assist with that email list building, that lead generation process, and also just kind of the overall campaign management. So I think when, Aditi, when you were speaking about kind of all the things underneath the water and the iceberg, um, I immediately thought about flexibility in your timeline. So many entrepreneurs will come to us saying, like, I need to have this launched, um, you know, January 1. We're going to get this rolling. I need it to be to my backers immediately. But the important thing to note, and I really hope all entrepreneurs understand this, is that the right time to launch your product is when you're completely prepared. Um, a lot of our more kind of challenging conversations are when we're telling an entrepreneur, hey, you're actually really not ready to do this because crowdfunding is an, a very just incredibly public way to launch your company and launch your product. So we're really here to make sure that that launch goes really well and you are successful. So sometimes it's a challenging conversation of saying you should actually wait and sink a little budget into this, hire an agency, do more lead generation. Um, all of these aspects. So I think when you're considering when you're going to launch and when you're going to deliver your product, you should really build in some serious flexibility yeah. um, and just understanding that it's okay to to push. Right. So that leads me to my next question, which might be a little bit counterintuitive or strange, but is, when is crowdfunding the wrong fit? When is it the wrong thing for an entrepreneur to do? And when is it the right thing? When, who is the perfect caricature uh, of an entrepreneur for Indiegogo, would you say? 
Um, I think like by its very nature, it's like a very B2C sort of industry. And so if you're building like something that's very B2B, that's like your first sign that maybe not the right place for you. Um, I, I think again, I like harp on user testing a lot. And I think that's really when you figure out whether or not people are actually interested in this sort of product. And that's your first step in like doing that rigorous testing to figure out, um, is crowdfunding right for me? If I can't really get, you know, two out of the five people, three out of the five people interested in this product, or at least see who might be interested in it, even if they're not, if they can't name one or two friends who might like it, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board. Because um, like Marita said, this is a really, really public space and a public way to fail. So um, yeah, and to kind of answer the second part of your question, I think the perfect entrepreneur for us is one that first and foremost has a really innovative product. Um, we see some some campaigners not do super well, even though they have like all of the preparations, and that might be because their product isn't amazing, which is so sad to say. But I mean, a, be a beautiful part of crowdfunding is that you really get to see is there product market fit for my product. Um, you know, sometimes there is, and you have this incredible growth, but other times you learn, hey, actually this isn't the right thing for the audience that I'm going after. Um, one thing at Indiegogo I think is super fascinating is our work with enterprise companies. So we're actually working with Fortune 500 companies like Coca-Cola or GE. Um, we could come up with a couple others, but um, they're doing their R&D on Indiegogo. So instead of sinking hundreds of thousands of dollars in research and development, they're actually running a crowdfunding campaign to see if they can sell a product that doesn't quite exist yet. And I think that's such a beautiful way and so innovative to kind of really understand, like, is, is my company's mission worth putting behind this product? Got it. So that kind of makes me wonder... It being such a competitive landscape, the crowdfunding space and pla different platforms, you know, what what makes Indiegogo really stand out? What's Indiegogo's, you know, uh, competitive advantage? What makes Indiegogo better than maybe other platforms that people may use for crowdfunding? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there's a couple pretty main differences, which I'll get into, but I think the one that is probably most impactful is the fact that we're really a launch partner versus just a platform. Um, Aditi and I are very heavily involved in our entrepreneurs campaign experience, whereas some of our our competitors are really a little bit more hands-off. So our customer support is pretty unmatched in the industry. Um, we also do quite a bit of just, you know, coaching throughout the entire process. Um, and then another main difference is just kind of our, um, our, our demographic. So we are a platform for entrepreneurs. Um, we started for with creatives um, 11 years ago now. We started with uh, campaigns that were for like indie projects. Get it, Indiegogo, a uh, lot of indie film. But then we really saw a, a need in the market for entrepreneurs to test their products, test their ideas, find their audience, and also just gain access to funding. So whereas like a Kickstarter is a really wonderful platform for something a little bit more creative, Indiegogo is a true place for entrepreneurs and for entrepreneurs who are trying to launch the greatest new technology. So we have a couple different partnerships. My two favorite um, are Aero Electronics. They're a 
worldwide manufacturing partner of ours, and they help really significantly with our entrepreneurs to make sure that their prototypes are indeed solid and they'll be able to manufacture with the current production-ready prototype. Um, and I love our Aero partnership because it really appeases to our two customers. So we have our, of course, our entrepreneurs um, who are seeking manufacturing advice, but then also our backers who, at the end of the day, just want to have their product. So our Aero partnership is beautiful because it tells our backer, hey, this entrepreneur has done, you know, has gone the extra mile, has got something called our Aero uh, certification, which explains that their product is legitimate, yeah. basically. So um, it's like your stamp of approval that their product is awesome. Yes. Um, so the Aero certification, you get a little badge on your campaign page, and campaigns that have that badge raise around 20% more than campaigns that do not. So even though a lot of our backers are not familiar with the manufacturing process, they really trust this certification, which is really wonderful. Um our second partnership that I really enjoy is called Ingram Micro. Um, so they're a shipping and fulfillment partner. They, they're really experts in shipping technology globally. So they can really assist, especially when a campaigner, you know, kind of blows up and becomes a little viral. So they think they're going to sell 100 units, but they end up selling 15,000. Ingram Micro can step in and really handle that. So at the end of the day, our backers are getting their product right one of the most common <laughs> problems you hear about actually is that you know when a campaign blows up or you even just get more backers than expected your shipping or that overhead can totally destroy your margins in your campaign yeah it's pretty fascinating um our, our probably our favorite example um with a, a campaign really blowing up is um, the cat ear headphones. So there are these really incredible headphones that they're over ear, but then there are uh, little cat ears on the top and they're meant for raves. So you can listen to the music, but it also projects music. So it's a really cool product. And it was made by these two um, female entrepreneurs and they really did not know that this was going to become such a huge success. So one of our partners at the time uh, was Brookstone, and they actually took over fulfillment of the entire campaign. So the uh, Caddy or Headphone company, they just licensed their product to Brookstone, and they were able to fulfill all their backers through one of our retail partners, which was really wonderful. And what's funny is they ended up having like a partnership with Ariana Grande through it. And then she like had her version of it. So like, it's been crazy to see those on the subway and like, I've been to music festivals and seen people rocking out with them. So it's just wild to see how far it's come. It's super fun to see Indiegogo projects in the wild. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. Super fulfilling. Actually, what's really funny is on my way, my walk from uh, my apartment to the office, there's this one weird stretch where uh, the subway ads, like three in a row are Indiegogo campaigns or previous Indiegogo campaigns. So Bombas, um, there's someone else and there's someone else. So it's just really funny. Like every morning I'm reminded of like, oh, I'm going to work. And these are people that we help every day. So it's it's so interesting. Like, so of course, uh, Quip uh, toothbrushes are really big right now and Hello Tushy. So two products that we all really know that are kind of blowing up right now, both started on Indiegogo. 
And granted, they were campaigns that, you know, it was, I think, four years ago I was taking a peek, and they didn't do super hot. But I think that is so valuable because they must have learned all of these insights like, oh, we should change this pricing model or, oh, actually the market that we're going after isn't the best. So they used our platform to really learn these key insights and now they are huge successes. Yeah. I had no idea all those brands were Indiegogo. Um, I think one of my favorites is what's the watch company that always advertises on podcasts? Um, uh, Movement? Yeah. They were yeah. in a go campaign, which is so funny to me. Like every time I hear that, it's just like they've gotten, they've blown up in a really crazy way. Um, They're a particularly fascinating story because they just could not receive funding. Like they were really having issues. They were two college students and no one would really take them seriously. So they took to the internet and they used Indiegogo and I don't exactly know how much they raised, but I just double checked that they were on Indiegogo. They were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. they were definitely on Indiegogo. It's the two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MBMT, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, there's such a variety of what has been done on Indiegogo, and it makes me wonder, are there different tactics or techniques for different categories of products, you know, like clothing versus tech versus design versus all these different categories? Is there a difference um, there? Techniques in like how you approach the messaging or? Yeah. Or, or is it all kind of like under the same formula that works for every campaign? Is yeah. I, I definitely form? don't think there's like a one size fits all for the strategy aspect. Um, when I first started working on campaigns, there was this outline that I really, really loved working with. And I think it's still something that's really nice to refer back to. And I give it to a lot of campaigners who are especially new to this and aren't working with agencies because it's a really good way to organize your thoughts. Um, this outline is definitely floating around. I've, I've covered it in like webinars in the past, but um, it's uh, just like a general outline of how you should um, pitch your campaign. And I think a lot of this can be taken out. A lot of it can be moved around with like tech products, um, it's really important to actually like nail down your use cases um, and to nail down like how people might be using this product in ways that you might not necessarily think of. So, um, you know, what the product does is different than how people use it. And so I think with, with tech stuff, it's important, I think, to also um, have a lot of social proof on the page to show that this is something that can go from, like, concept to um, production and delivery. Um, one of the things that's really helpful for a lot of campaigns, whether you're a tech product or a design product, is to have a lot of, like, press and reviews on the page. I think this functions kind of like the Amazon review section of a, of a campaign page. So I think that's one thing that's really standard. Um, but I think it's definitely more important for a tech product to have social proof than say like a, a t-shirt company or something. And this is kind of silly, but I think it's really important to do your research with looking at other campaigns. And this means doing your homework by looking at campaigns that have just like hit it big, campaigns that are tiny. Um, there's a lot to learn from campaigns across the board. And I think really just like having a ton of notes about what works for other campaigns and what hasn't worked um, and what are ways that you can have those same visuals or that same messaging and turn that uh, for your campaign. Um, it's Again, it's really obvious when campaigners have done that sort of research, and I, I think everyone really appreciates when they bring that to the board. Yeah. And I know ADT already really spoke up quite extensively on lead generation, but I'm just going to go into it again because it's so important. Um, my big advice is just to care for your community. So under that sort of caring umbrella, first, of course, building. So 
it's a, it's a huge common misconception that if you just kind of throw up a really fantastic campaign on a crowdfunding platform that it'll perform, but you really need to bring that initial audience to have that sh social proof and also just kind of give yourself that initial boost. So I think, you know, take your time creating your community and making sure it's the right kind of person who is a part of it. So we don't want, you know, someone buying an email list. That's a big no-no. Or, um, yeah, so you really just need to kind of take that time. And it's okay if it takes longer than you anticipated, kind of speaking to that timeline aspect again. Have some flexibility. And then once you do have this fantastic community, make sure that you are being vocal with them because these are your first customers and your early adopters. So on Indiegogo, we... Um, we encourage our entrepreneurs to post weekly updates and answer comments within, you know, four hours. And we want to make sure that the process with between our campaigner and our backer is super transparent. So, you know, shipping delays are going to happen. You just have to own up and talk about them and make sure that you're handling things gracefully because these are the ambassadors of your company that you're building and you're speaking with. So I think kind of caring for that community is really important. Um, an example campaign is our Mate bike. And I know we had just showed it to you in the, in the office. Um, so Mate has run, I think, two campaigns on Indiegogo so far. Their first one was a huge success. And their second one was just a knockout of the park. Um, they raised $13 million on their last campaign. And in total, I believe they've raised around $20 million. Um, so there are our most funded campaign to date. And the reason why they were so outrageously successful is because of their community. Of course, they have this really revolutionary bike, but they also have these diehard fans that will absolutely advocate for them and really just, they're there for them. So, and that's because they cared for their community and they really took the time to manage this process. Um, some of the ways that you can do that, the updates tool, the comments feature, all of that is like a really great way to do that on our site. Um, the mate community, I think, lives a lot on Facebook. Um, and there are other community management tools that we definitely encourage campaigners to dig into prior to. It's also helpful because they have an honest space to like voice their concerns. And you can then communicate with them in a way that you might not feel comfortable doing in um, like an open Indiegogo campaign, a closed Facebook group is a little bit different. And so, yeah, these, like the mate campaign backers, these are people that have backed not one, not two, but like three different e-bikes. And they're really vocal even about sharing other bikes that they love in this community. And the mate bike has always encouraged them to do that. And I think having that sense of um, not fearing your competitors um, is has been really great for them as well. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I, I think to piggyback off of that, an, uh, another thing I think creators and people who are launching campaigns have a really, really hard time uh, managing is this, this uh, you, you know, you launch your campaign, you get this really big initial bump in the very beginning, and then, you know, those first two or three days are awesome, and then it just kind of uh, spirals downward. Do you guys have any tips on how to maintain momentum through your campaign so it doesn't just fizzle out after the first couple of days of being live? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> jinx. Um, yeah, so I think there's like this, like you, you kind of got at it, but um, there's there's a bit of a curve that happens during crowdfunding where at the beginning there's a huge spike, at the end there's another spike, and in the middle it just gets really very quiet. Um, and so it's wonderful 
and it's a very good idea to have things scheduled during that time, so that way it's not totally quiet. Um, uh, all of the platforms are controlled by an algorithm to help surface um, campaigns that are continually getting traffic, and so for a lot of reasons, it's a good idea to give, bring traffic to the page. Um, so I think press is a really good option here, um, having a few big ones that hit um, and continuing to do a lot of that work um, below the surface to make sure that people are getting are seeing your campaign, um, running those ads while the campaign is going. Um, I think ads make up the meat of the middle bit, uh, where you're continually driving ta traffic and you're testing to see uh, what sort of traffic is actually working for you. So our secret perks are really fantastic tool to work with um, during that middle part of the campaign. Aditya and I worked on the Park and Diamond campaign, which is a really fantastic helmet, but it looks like a baseball cap. So it's going after this market of people who don't wear helmets, which is the majority of bike riders, um, because they look goofy or whatever. So it's really a sleek cap. You should look it up. Um, but they did a really fantastic thing in the middle of their campaign where they have their initial product, which is the helmet, but they also have some customization um, perks. So, for example, you can have a different color hat, a different skin, um, things like that. And the way that they use their secret perks in the middle of the campaign to sort of engage the thousands of backers they already had, they sent all of those people an opportunity to have a secret perk. And the secret perk tool is essentially just a unique link that you can share with a person or a group of people that brings them to your campaign page but sort of unlocks this special deal. So that's a really great way to sort of engage your audience in the middle of the campaign. Um, we also have a referral tool, which we encourage mostly all of our entrepreneurs to use, just to sort of engage those, you know, that community that, as I was just speaking about, um, engage them in the middle of the campaign to kind of push you up. Another thing I think campaigners sometimes forget to do in the middle is you've already spent all this time building up a list. You want to make sure that you're getting as much juice out of that as possible. So during week two, week three, week four, it's a good idea to segment that list. Make sure you go back to the drawing board, offer them a special deal. Again, the secret perk is really helpful here. So you're able to offer them something that's not visible on the page, probably uh, a little more pricey than the early bird deal, but you know, not quite as pricey as what's on the page right now to try and get them off the fence um, and providing a little bit of information to whatever they might need to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that secret perk feature is genius. <laughs> I think that's a huge, huge, huge help for creators out there. So here's my last question for you both. What do you see for the future of crowdfunding? If you had to, to pick one lane or, or one or two very important things that you think are going to be huge in crowdfunding in the future, what would you say are the standouts that you think about often? I think one of the things that we're doing that is really great is um, Marita mentioned all of these partnerships that we've developed with people that can like help bring you to market. Um, and I, I'd like to see crowdfunding lean more into um, actually helping entrepreneurs and not just like throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks, um, being that partner in not just raising the money, but also bringing you to market. Um, so I think just like leaning further into that and, um, We've done a lot of work recently in helping to do our part to qualify the campaigns. I think Indiegogo, everyone knows, is an open platform. It's one of our strengths and also I think one of the things that people point out as being uh, an interesting aspect of how we do this. Um, so 
in trying to Maybe for people well would you mind explaining open concept really quick sure yeah so what i mean by open platform is right now as we speak and record this podcast i could have created a campaign and thrown it up there and uh it would be live for everyone to see and then contribute to there's no process where indiegogo vets the campaigns um and this is because uh, like it's built into our DNA as a company to be really open and democratic. We talk about democratizing funding all the time internally, and I think that's that's who we are, and that's really not going to change in any major way. Um, and so that's what we mean by open platform. We would not recommend creating a campaign during a podcast and throwing it up, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think all of that is how we've functioned, but we're trying to find ways to then qualify campaigns once they get there so that consumers can make more educated choices. And so one of the ways we've done that is obviously the arrow badge and some of these partnerships. We also have um, these little points on the page where you can show whether you're in concept, prototype, production, or shipping. Um, and I think this is also another really helpful thing for uh, consumers to be able to figure out actually how far along uh, the campaigner is in the process of, of actually delivering. So um, just more things like this that help consumers make educated choices and help campaigners actually deliver. And also on that sort of same vein, helping campaigners and entrepreneurs make the right decisions. So I mean, more and more we're seeing these direct-to-consumer brands become really successful. And I think that's so empowering to an entrepreneur to understand that I don't need to go the traditional route of, you know, finding a retailer to really help me with this process and then find my customer. You can completely turn the whole process upside down. And we're really the starting point for a lot of these entrepreneurs. Like just as DT was saying, like on our subway commute every morning, we see entrepreneurs and companies that started on Indiegogo, and they were probably a little nervous at this stage of their company, you know? They don't have a lot of sales under their belt yet, but they were able to use our platform and really kind of develop a brand voice and then become a successful direct-to-consumer brand. So I think the future of crowdfunding is just a whole lot more of what we're doing right now. Um, Indiegogo's a really interesting company because we're constantly innovating internally. Um, we've done a lot of different experiments and some have been really successful, like our our enterprise division, I think is so fascinating. Like hearing some of our colleagues speak with the entrepreneurs of Bose and talk about how they really need to alter the way that they bring products to market because of the direct-to-consumer movement. Thank you both so much for being on the show. Um, maybe before we say goodbye, are there any good resources or launching points for people who are considering getting started with a campaign? Obviously, they can go to, to the website. That's obvious. But are there any additional resources you'd recommend for, for them to check out before launching? Um, yeah. One of my favorite, if you've got a little time to kill and you really want to do some research, is um, we hosted webinars for a while. And so um, they dig in really deep um, on to you know, marketing. And we've worked with agencies to bring some of those webinars to life. Um, there's also just like some very basic 101 content if this is your first rodeo. Um, we have an education center, which is a really good place to go. We're always putting out articles and, and interesting things for um, people to learn from. And this, I'm not sure if this is a, a good idea or not, but I am always happy to have a conversation with an entrepreneur, so I'm happy to share my email. Um, it's simple. It's just marita at indiegogo.com. So it's M-A-R-I-T-A at indiegogo.com. Awesome. 
thank you both so so much for being on the show we love indiegogo and it's been awesome hearing you guys talk about crowdfunding so thank you so much for being on this week thanks for having us that was my interview with Aditi and Marita from Indiegogo, and they are both total rock stars. I just want to say thank you for them being so hospitable towards us at Gadget Flow and being so generous with their time and knowledge for this week's episode. Thank you both so much for being on the show this week. This podcast is made by Gadget Flow, and we are proud to be the number one platform to find new and awesome gadgets. So please make sure to check out our site for all the new products we're curating every single day. We'll be back next week with another new episode, so in the meantime, please go rate and review this show on iTunes. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to the Gadget Flow Podcast. Gadget Flow.